from the North Devon coast to the Atlantic shores, from the tropical rainforests to the sunny Azores, from Icelandic wastelands to Australian deserts. This is Cauldron FM, where the magic really happens. Well, good morning and merry meet from me, the Merlin, here in uh, the studio on the North Devon coast of England. And today is um, Saturday the 10th of December, so we're heading rapidly towards Yule. And on that journey towards Yule, there is another show from Cora's Cauldron, part three, uh, which will be coming up very shortly. But first, let's start off with some messages. Coming to an internet site near you very shortly is a brand new business, The Witch's Shop. It caters for everything a witch, pagan or druid could possibly need for any occasion. So to find us, visit www.the-witches-shop.co.uk or you could find us on Facebook. So remember, for everything you could possibly need in your witch's broom cupboard, visit the dash witches dash shop.co.uk Sometimes we need an extra pair of hands when looking after an elderly relative or we need a little help as we approach our twilight years. We specialise in providing a personal care service. Our experienced care team can provide assistance with bathing, shopping, meal preparation at reasonable and competitive rates. Please contact Alison on 01271 864 886. Candor Care, providing care in the community. Warm, comforting, and crafted with love. Old world style and grace, handmade to your specifications. Each item is truly unique and all handmade. If you are looking for something bold and showy, or something just like Grandma used to make, search Cozy Crochet and Crafts on Facebook. The Mrs. Mop's range of chutneys and preserves includes traditional family recipes and our own creations using surprising new flavours in amazing combinations. All our chutneys are free from artificial preservatives and by always using the best locally sourced ingredients, we are helping to maintain our local economy. Our range is continually growing and you can try them for yourself by booking one of our Come Taste With Me parties. You supply the wine and we'll even bring the crackers. To book a party, call us on 07581 735 769 or email admin at mrsmopschutneys.co.uk Oh, by the way, Mrs Mops Chutneys can now be bought from Nana Sue's on Ilfracombe High Street. Wish Upon a Star Weddings is a place where dreams come true. Our aim is to make your wedding day one of the most magical and memorable days of your life. We will assist in making your dreams into reality and make your special day as unique as you are. We create packages that are specifically designed for you and taking into account your budget, your day can be as modest or as lavish as you wish. You are in control. Choose venues from country mansions through to contemporary hotels with stunning views. Whatever you have in mind, we will be able to work with you to create something extra special. You can speak to Kim on 01271 862 944 or 07811 
or you can email her at info at wishuponastarweddings.com. After an hour working out in the gym, I really enjoy nothing more than relaxing with a healing massage therapy. Karen Fergaline of Little Birds is a fully qualified, fully insured massage therapist. But you don't have to go to the gym to enjoy one of the Little Birds treatments. You can enjoy an individual massage, reflexology or aromatherapy sessions. Or maybe you can host one of their pamper parties for you and a group of friends. Or you can organise yourself a group therapy session. To contact Karen, give her a call on 07969-564-528. Email her at littlebirdsmassage at gmail.com or visit her website at littlebirds-holistics.co.uk. We don't cut corners, we clean them, says it all. So if you want fresh, clean carpets, give us a call on 07 530 The Carpet Fresh Man. Cauldron FM, the sound of magic. Thank you. 
fantastic piece of music. Now I'm going to hand you over to the Reverend Cora, who's going to give us a December show. Hello, and brightest blessings on this magical night tonight. My name is Reverend Cora from Cora's Cauldron. Tonight we will be talking about the month of December and its traditions, correspondence, and some of the magic meanings behind some of our symbolisms. But before I do that, I would like to take a moment to thank Blackmore's Night for giving me permission to use their songs on the radio show. The song that you just heard was called I Saw Three Ships from their Winter Carol CD. Thank you very much to Blackmore's Night. Now as I was putting together this piece for you guys, I came across a nice little poem written by Tony Carmine Salerno. He had written the Goddess Book, and in this he wrote a poem, and the poem is called Celebration. Celebration is a ritual through which we honor our blessings. Before embarking on the next step, stop and celebrate what you already have. The reason I chose this tonight is because the month of December is all about celebrating. We celebrate the fact that one king dies in order for another king to be reborn. We celebrate life. We celebrate death. <laughs> and with this celebration, we also honor everything that was given to us in the prior year. So everything from last year, starting in January, December, whenever you want to consider the start of your new year, we honor that. It's whether it was um, some good stuff that has happened throughout the year, if it was some of the bad stuff and lessons that we had to learn throughout the, le the year, that is still honoring the lessons that we learned. Again, it's considered celebration. The month of December is all about celebrating. It's about feasting, drinking, and what's that word? Merrymaking. <laughs> that is what December is all about. It's about spending time with your family, your friends, and your loved ones. It is about knowing when to say, Hey guys, today is the day that I am thankful for, and whatever it is you're thankful for, you finish that statement. So the month of December is all about celebrating. And Tony's poem is just beautiful because it is the truth. Celebration is a ritual. And we have to honor it. And it is our blessings. And then before we can even embark on our next step, we need to stop and celebrate what we already have. So that is why I chose to read you this poem tonight from my intro on the month of December. So with that said, the month of December 2011, it's called the Sagittarius Cold Moon. It began November 22nd, and it ends on December 22nd. The traditions that follow usually, should I say, they began around the Roman time. During the month of December, it is considered the 10th month in the old Roman calendar. The calendar consisted of 10 months in a year of 304 days. The original celebration of Christmas was started in ancient Egypt as a celebration of the god Eon or Osiris. 
who, by the way, was born by a virgin mother. December's month was also highly celebrated, starting with Saturnelli. Saturnelli is the fertility festival of the Roman god Saturn, also known as Kronos. He was celebrated on the 17th of December, and Saturn, known as Father of Time and Father of All the Gods, was the one that they honored during the Saturnelli festival. This festival lasted for seven long days, and it ended on or roughly around December 24th and 25th. Saturn is pictured with a half-bare chest and a sickle. Sometimes you may see him with ears of corn in his hand, but he is always depicted with a half-bare chest, meaning there is some type of satchel that is wrapped around him, and that's all that he has on, whether he has a sickle in his hand or he has an ear of corn in his hand. Saturn is also the great lesson giver and the ruler of the Golden Age. Saturn is well known throughout astrology because of the lessons he brings. And what I mean by that is Saturn brings us lessons. It's called Saturn's return. And when Saturn returns on us, things happen. Very bad, bad things. We will lose our jobs. We will, now I'm not saying that we do, but the majority of us have lost our jobs. We have lost our friends. We've lost loved ones. We have gone through the rut. We have um, begun uh, some type of illness that may have sprung during this. But it was always something, something that it took away from us. And in order for that to happen, it was taken away so we can learn our lesson. This is what Saturn's return does. He is also known as the father of karma. So when Saturn return hits, he is coming back and saying, hey, you guys need to grow up. It is time for you to stop being children and act like adults. And for you to see that, I am taking away, and then you just guys, just name it. So that's what he takes away from you. And then he says, if you had good karma, I will smooth the pathway for you. If you had bad karma, I will not smooth the pathway for you. This is where the whole idea of if you've been a good girl or a bad girl, if you've been a good boy or a bad boy, that is from Saturn. Just like Santa Claus, if you've been a good girl, you got good toys. If you've been a bad girl, you got coal. Same with if you've been a bad boy, you've got coal. That is Saturn, just like it's depicted as Santa Claus. So depending on what your karma was would depend on how smooth your road would or going to be, would be. So if you lost your job, um, let's say you lost your job and then in four months someone offered you a job. You didn't look for that job, but it was offered to you. That's good karma. If you were sick and your friends or family stepped up and took care of you during your illness, that's good karma. And that is what we call Saturn's return. So, with Saturn, his consort, or his wife, she was the goddess Ops. She is the deity of fertility. And she and both Saturn were celebrated on Saturnelli. And this celebration was of great joy. It included a lot of singing, dancing, drinking, feasting, and gift giving. And speaking of feasting, 
feasting and drinking. <laughs> that has given you the term wassailing. Wassailing has been associated with Christmas and New Year as far back as the 1400s. It was a way of passing on good wishes among family and friends. Wassail is an ale-based drink seasoned with spices and honey. It was served from huge bowls often made of silver or pewter, and the wassail bowl would be passed around with the greeting wassail, and wassail gets its name from the old English term wassail, and if I even said that properly, I'm not sure, but it's like wassail, meaning be well. It was a Saxon custom that at the start of each year, the lord of the manor would shout wassail, and the assembled crowd would reply drink hail, meaning drink and be healthy. And as the time went on, the tradition was carried on by people going from door to door, bearing good wishes and wassail bowls of hot spiced ale. In return, people in the houses gave them drink, money, and Christmas fairs, like special foods eaten during Christmas time, mince pies, you name it, this is what they received. And they believed they would receive a good or they believed they would receive good luck for the new year to come. This is what brought about carols and caroling. Caroling is a form of wassailing. When you have carolers at your door, it is a tradition that was carried forth from wassailing. Wassailing was carried forth from the tradition of um, Satanelli or the form of which is honoring the god. And this was all based on drinking, feasting, dancing, singing, and gift giving. It was all about honoring. And wassailing, like I said, that can be dated back as far back as the 1400s. Now as far as the traditions with the Roman calendar and as far as Saturnelli goes, that cannot be dated back. So if, like, uh, I can't say I cannot find the exact date to say it was dated back, but it was very, very, very old tradition. Trust me when I said it was very old. Probably older than the 1400s. So this brought us up to Yule. Yule was a midwinter festival, and it was celebrated by the Norse, Teutonic, and Celtic people as a day of merrymaking. And remember, merrymaking. Merrymaking is like wassailing. It is drinking, feasting, and being happy. What is the month of December? Month of December is party time. <laughs> it is the time to overindulge and just enjoy. It was also commemorated with the Yule Cake and giving out gifts. It was a sacred day to Odin, Thor, and Frere. Yule was the night when the wild hunt was at its peak. Odin rode his eight-legged horse named Sleepener. Odin led a party of horsemen and hounds in the hunt throughout the night sky. You guys heard me right. Odin rode his eight-legged horse named Sleepener. He rode him through the night sky. Does this sound familiar yet? On the night of Yule, children usually place socks filled with hay or left carrots outside the door for the to feed Sleepener. So, who is Odin? Well, if you want to think of it this way, Odin is, like Saturn, depicted as Santa Claus. Odin, Thor, and Freyr 
were the ones that were commemorated during the month of December in the Norse's tradition, just like Saturn was in the Roman tradition. No matter which tradition you look at right now, these gods are depicted as Santa Claus, the first original Santa Claus. Yule was the night of the wild hunt, and the wild hunt was at its peak time during the night of Yule festival. So, Odin rode his eight-legged horse, and that was named Sleepener. The children left with uh, socks filled of hay and carrots for the, the, um, the horse to eat. So, since Yule marks the shortest day in the year, the wild hunt is also at its greatest height. This is due to the night being at its longest duration. Now, with that said, there have been accounts of virgin mothers who have given birth to their sons that go back so far back that again I cannot find the original dates. But we have Rihanna who birthed Prideri and then Isis who birthed Horus. And then we have Demeter who birthed her daughter Persephone. And then like I said about our traditions and not being able to date everything back, it is said that on December 23rd or 25th, right after the solstice, that Horus appeared out of Isis's cave. Hmm. So if we kind of figured out that Odin, just like Saturn, was depicted as Santa Claus, right? Then what is Horus being depicted as? If he is apparently the one who made his appearance right around roughly 23rd or the 25th after the solstice. I think that would mean that, and I'm not going to about, <laughs> I don't want to really say it, so I don't want to angry, make people angry on whoever might be listening, but there's another depiction of Jesus Christ. So, in a Christian theme, Jesus Christ followed suit from Horus, just like Odin, who was depicted as Santa Claus. Now, there are many Celtic scholars who point Santa's beginnings to the Holly King who lived during the landing season of the year and drove a team of eight deers attached to his sled or wagon. Some suggested that this aspect of Santa probably comes from the Norse mythology where reindeers were often utilized for transportation in the winter. The Celtic holly king, who has been depicted with a holly wreath as a crown or as a Judic holly king who wore a holly in his hat, in both cases, though, the Holly King traditionally wore garments with red accents. His clothing seems to have changed right around or roughly near the 1800s. Now, I kind of think the reason why Santa Claus's appearance changed around the 1800s it has to do a lot with advertising, and I believe it came from Coca-Cola. Now, Coca-Cola ran a lot of adverts, and they did change the image of our Santa Claus. And I believe that the Americans <laughs> were the cause of changing poor Santa's image from Odin, or Saturn's image, into this nice, big, fat, jolly man with big red cheeks. So, you guys can decide on what you think, but I think it was due to the Americans and Coca-Cola. Now, it's also said that Santa gets his name from the Dutch legend in the form of Sinterklaas, 
and that the historical documents suggest that Sintor was brought by settlers to New York in the 17th century, and this is as early as 1773 that the name appeared in the American press as St. A. Claus. But it was a popular author named Washington Irving who gave America their first detailed information about the Dutch version of the St. Nicholas. In his History of the New York, published in 1809, it was under the pseudonym of Dietrich Knickerbockers, and Irving described the arrival of the old St. Nick on a horseback that was accompanied by a black Peter, each eve of the St. Nicholas. <laughs> so, <laughs> poor little Santa Claus. We don't exactly know the real true origin of Santa. He can be dated all the way back to the Norse mythology, which is in Odin. Odin is probably the closest, truest form of Santa Claus as you're going to find with his horse, the Sleepener. Now, going all the way from then until now, you guys can make your choice. But the um, Celtic scholars, they decided to deem the Holly King to uh, kind of appear as that because, you know what, he was jolly. <laughs> and why not use his image for that same reason? So, how did Santa wind up in the North Pole? Poor little Santa. Again, he's not really sure because no one can accurately date him. However, it looks like it's another Norse mythology. The Norse mythology for that legend, should I say, of Santa Claus, um, came from the twin brothers, the Holly King and the Oak King. The Holly King lived way up north where he could survive the cold during the reign of his brother in the spring and summertime. And then the Oak King, who needed the warmth to survive, lived in the warm forests in the south and falls, and he fell asleep while his brother of the cold reigns over the world during the fall and winter months. So, if you want to look at poor little Saint Nick, Saint Nick is now depicted as coming from the North Pole because of our Holly King and the Oak King, the twin brothers of the North Norse mythology. Now, there are some other ancient pagan deities as well who are depicted in this, and such ancient deities is Bafana, she is a gift-giving Roman goddess, the Holly King, who is the Celtic winter god, and Thor and Tomti, who was a Norse god who respectively rode across the sky in a chariot drawn by goats and gave presents to children at the end of the year. Now, all this is fed into poor St. Nick's legend. Our poor little Santa Claus, what can I say? He is pretty much known throughout the entire world as many, many names as you can possibly imagine. But... As the accounts can say, it is looking more and more like it is a Norse tradition, and it started with Odin. Now with that, it brings us to Astarte. Astarte is the great goddess in the ancient Middle East who was honored during this month as well. She is called the Morning Star, the celestial ruler and mother of all the gods. Just like the way Romans depicted Saturn being the father of all the gods, she is being depicted as the mother of all the gods. Some traditions actually place her as Mother Night, or Matsnok, an Anglo-Saxon belief. 
So depending on how you want to look at her, she was also considered the predecessor, predecessor of the Greek Aphrodite Venus. Now, we can also say for the Sumerians, they've known her as Iana, or the Babylonians who have known her as Ishtar. Whatever form you want to look at Astarte as, she is the queen of the morning star. Astarte as the morning star is the goddess of war. And as Astarte is the queen of the evening star, she is now considered the goddess of passionate love. So, we have all these beliefs, and they, are, they all come from all over the world. And depending on where you fall, it's okay. But, so far, this belief is what we think started the traditions that are commonly called Christmas. We have the evergreen tree. And this evergreen tree is commonly known as the tree of life. Then we have a Yule log. The Yule log was lit for the returning sun god. Then we have the star on top of the tree, and that's represented as the star goddess or a celestial goddess, and that would be Astarte. And then we have our dinner and gifts, and the dinner and gifts were honored by Saturn or Odin. And now that brings us to our elves. Our elves, the little mystical creatures. Well, these poor little creatures came about probably because of our nature folks, like the fairies. So we have fairies who did assist Odin, who did assist Saturn, and then they were changed into the elves who are commonly now and currently assisting our old Saint Nick. So the poor elves came from the nature folks, our little fairies. And then we have our reindeers. Our reindeer <laughs> has gone through a lot. The poor little reindeer. That used to be Sleepinor, Odin's eight-legged horse. The reindeer is also known as a shamanistic sacred animal. And this was used for the winter times with the shamanistic culture. As well as the reindeer was used for food and other purposes that they saw fit. And on top of that, they were also used as magical properties. So our poor little reindeers, they were used as food, they were used as clothing, <laughs> they were used as a way or means to travel, to get around. They were very sacred, but there is no real depiction except for Sleepener, which is Odin's eight-legged horse. So that is the myth of our reindeer. And then we have mistletoe. The mistletoe is said to be from Frigg. Frigg was the Norse goddess of marriage, childbirth, motherhood, wisdom, household management. And believe it or not, she is even said to be the weaver and the spinner. I will talk about that in a second, but I will continue on with the mistletoe. The mistletoe was picked up by Freya, or sorry, by Frigg and it was used to collect kisses and during this she would collect all her kisses as she possibly could until one day they were turned on her and when they were turned on her it was then used to kill her son now poor Frigg Frigg right now is getting depicted as our triple mother as the goddess of all the goddesses she is now being declared the weaving and the spinner who actually resembles Hectate 
and it also resembles the mother goddess herself in the virgin form because she is the mother and the childbirth and the marriage so Frigg is being given the symbol of our triple mother in the Norse religion so anyone who does practice our faith or our belief may or may not use mistletoe because mistletoe gives life and it takes life so for some of us we may not necessarily hang it up to catch our little kisses because in one day it may turn on us and we don't want it to turn on us because that is what happened to Frigg she collected her kisses until it turned on her so then we have the Christians the Christians have adopted many of the pagan customs of Yul and then they use it for their Christmas or December 25th such as giving out gifts decorating the fir tree, and of course, most definitely, without a doubt, Old Saint Nicholas, so or Santa Claus as he's considered. The Christians actually changed our customs, and then it, but it pretty much completely wiped out Odin and Sleepener and the Wild Hunt, and then it made way for their own Santa Claus and their own traditions and the way they celebrate it. So as we look closely at the December and at its traditions, we will notice that the common theme is celebrating the father and the mother. No matter which area throughout the world you, you are at or whichever area it is that is celebrating this right now, we all celebrate it differently. No matter where you are, it's all celebrated differently. It's just the gods and goddesses' names that were changed the customs that may or may not have been changed, the hanging of the mistletoe that may not have been hung, the yule log that may not be lit and it was replaced by the Christmas tree, the evergreen tree is now, or should I say, is known as the tree of life, but in some customs it could be just the pine tree. So no matter which way you look at this, and no matter which customs we're talking about, it's still celebrated almost the same way. It just has different names, different versions of it. But the month of December still remains the same. It is celebrating the mother and the father. It is celebrating both. And remember, you can't celebrate life without death. And just like the saying, without death there is no life. So you cannot have one without the other. So you must be able to celebrate in whichever fashion or form life and death. So now this brings us to the December's Correspondence. Now with December's Correspondence, we have a little Scottish Yule song. <laughs> and now, don't worry guys, I will not be singing for you tonight. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, <laughs> it's not happening. Anyway, the December's Correspondence with the Scottish Yule song. It goes, Sign rain of fair maid with gold upon her toe. Open you the west door and turn the old year go. That is our Scottish Yule song. And the correspondence that follows suit are We have nature spirits. Nature spirits are snow fairies, storm fairies, and winter tree fairies. We have herbs. The holly, the English, the ivy, and the mistletoe are our herbs. Then we have flowers, which is holly. Poinsettia, Christmas cactus. Our trees are pine, fir, and holly. The incense is patchouli, 
rose geranium, frankincense, myrrh, and lilac. Colors are blood red, white, black, and green. Gemstones are serpentine, jasmine, and peridot. Animals are moose, deers, horses, and bears. Our birds are rook, robin, and snowy owl. The goddesses that are honored during the month of December is Hecate, the Norms, the Fates, Freya, Frigg, and Astarte. The gods. The gods? Well, <laughs> there are too many to actually go into, but we got Hathor, Osiris, Odin, and Saturn. Now remember, there are other gods that are depicted at this time of year. We got the Holly King and um, a few others. So the gods can vary depending on what you want to add in there. So you add in the Holly King, <coughs> excuse me, add in the Hathor, Osiris, Odin, and Saturn. And then we have our symbols. Our symbols are the evergreen, the wreath, the yule, or the yule log, the holly, and the spinning of the wheels. And these are what our correspondence are for the month of December. And what we celebrate for the month of December? Our celebration is of the holly king, as the god of the landing year, battling the oak king, the god of the waxing year, and losing. Then we honor the triple goddess and her virgin state, who gives birth to the sun god. And this is what we honor. And that brings us to the sacred meanings. I only chose a couple sacred meanings for tonight, and there are a lot, but I wanted to kind of hit on the bigger ones for the, for the show. So the sacred meanings that I chose is holly, ivy, yolog, pine cones, and the pine tree. And in a minute I will tell you, <clears throat> except for my uh, voice wanting to give way. So, we have the holly. The holly is sacred to the whole. It's a Teutonic goddess. And the Teutonic goddess is known and throughout the world as a representation of the blood. Her blood is what resembles the red berries. And this is where the holly gets her name from, the sacred hole. And the holly bush is thought to guard against lightning strikes as well. And it's also an extremely very protective plant. Holly is from the Old English word holleg and holland. And this plant was sacred to Saturn, Father Time and Agricultural, and holly wreaths and garland were used as decorations all over the house inside and out. Now in the Judaic lore, holly is a very special plant because it stays green throughout the year. It is said that if you have a holly bush, the fairies that are living inside will come into your home as refugees during the cold months. Now the ivy. The ivy is a pagan symbol of life. Ivy was the name accordingly to myth as a dancer that performs for Dionysus. It is said that she danced so hard that she died at his feet and then he was moved by her passion that he decided to place her spirit into the ivy plant. Now the ivy is the counterpart of the holly. 
the holly plant with its thorns is considered masculine, while the ivy, due to its growing fashion, was considered feminine. And the ivy is thought to bring protection, vitality, and fertility into your home. And now we have the yule log. The yule log comes from the Old Norse word hill and the Saxon word hill, meaning wheel. The yule log is a Norse tradition celebrating winter solstice. And this is a powerful symbol that reminds us of the power of fire. This is, this is the power that keeps us warm throughout the coldest times, and it's the light that makes us see our way through the darkest times. The origins of the Yule Log can be traced back to the midwinter festivals in which the Norsemen indulged, and they indulged in nights filled of feasting and drinking Yule, and watching the fire leap around the logs burning in their home and hearth. Now, the ceremonies and beliefs associated with the Yule Log is sacred origins are closely linked to the representations of health, fruitfulness, and productivity. In England, the Yule Log was cut and dragged home by oxen and horses as the people walked alongside and sang merry songs. And again, I hope you guys just picked up on that because in England, they say they walk alongside and sang merry songs. There's your caroling again. And this was also decorated with evergreens. And sometimes the yule log, sometimes the yule log was sprinkled with grain and cider before it was finally set alight. Now, to all the European races, the yule log was believed to bring beneficial magic and was kept burning for at least 12 hours and sometimes as long as 12 days warming both the house and those who resided within. When the fire of the Yule Log was finally quenched, a small, frag a small fragment of the wood would be saved and used to light to the next year. And it was also believed that as long as the Yule Log burned, the house would be protected from witchcraft. <laughs> yep, you heard me right. <laughs> from witchcraft. And what is it that we uh, are so commonly called right now? Hmm, witches? <laughs> and then the ashes that remained from the sacred Yule log were scattered all over the fields to bring fertility, or to cast into wells to purify and sweeten the water. And also sometimes the ashes were used in the creation of various charms. Now guys, remember what I just said previously? All right was in the creation of the various charms to free cattle from vermin, for example. <laughs> it would ward off hailstones. Hailstones. Now they're telling us it's going to protect us against witchcraft. It was witches who honored it. It was a pagan culture, a pagan religion that we are considered witches. So in one part of it, it says it protects you against witchcraft. Then in the other part, it says that you can use it as a charm to help ward off hailstones. So it has you scratching your head. So now you see why the Yule Log is so sacred to us. Because part of the humanity, part back in the day when I guess Christianity decided to take rain, that's when I think everything started to change. And people became fearful. And then they screamed out, witches, witches, burn the witches. And that's what happened. So now the Yule Log is classed as keeping it away from the witchcraft. And that's not necessarily true. 
but it is part of the saying and the myth that goes behind it. And that is our wonderful yule log. And then we have pine cones. Pine cones and pine trees. Pine cone is an evergreen. It is an old, very, very old ancient tree. And it actually means the sweetest of woods. Yep, the sweetest of woods. If you smell pine and you love the way pine smells when it comes into your house, you know what that saying means. Its external symbol of life is immortality. And then there is a nymph, a nymph called Petis, who was loved by Pan, and she was then declared, or should I say, depicted as being turned into a pine. Yep, a pine tree who says it has a nymph living inside it called Petis, and she was loved by Pan. The pine was also sacred to the sea god Neptune, Poseidon, and to Bacchus, which is Dionysus, and its needles are a valuable source of vitamin C. In the language of flowers, the pine tree symbolizes courage and daring. It was also worshipped by the ancients as a symbol of fire because of its resemblance to a spiral of flame. And it's also regarded as a very soothing, calming tree to be near. The pine tree gives you strength, life, immortality, and rejuvenation. The scent of pine is also useful in the alleviation of guilt. And dreaming of a pine tree indicates issues of guilt. So if you're dreaming of a pine tree or you see a pine tree or a pine, gil a pine cone in your dream, then what you need to do is get yourself some pine incense and sit there and meditate to bring whatever that guilt, whatever the sorrow, the fears, whatever it is that you're holding deep within to bring it out to the surface. And you can use the smell of pine for that. And then pine cones as well. <laughs> you guys are really going to like this one. Um, pine cones are considered extremely magical because they come from the pine tree. And because they resemble the pineal gland. Yep, the pineal gland. That is known as our third eye, or the gateway to spirituality. The pineal gland is what produces melatonin. It is what helps to regulate our sleep patterns. Without this, we would not be able to alter our state of consciousness. And the pine cone is a symbol for this, as well as its symbol for fertility. The reason the pine cone is symbolized with fertility and the associations that are behind it is because the pine cone holds a lot of seeds. And I'm talking thousands of little seeds in one little pine cone. So that is why it holds its right to the fertility association. And because melatonin helps you with your sleep pattern, melatonin is what we actually need to help alter our state of consciousness. So if our pineal gland is not working, if we cannot function properly, which is known as our third eye, it makes it harder for us to be able to meditate. It makes it harder for us to be able to sleep, um, to get any type of rest that we actually need, and to be able to open up ourselves into the metaphysical realm. So guys, this was the correspondence behind the pine cone and the pine trees. It was also the correspondence behind the rest of my month of December. And I hope you all liked my little spew about how December is and what it was all about. 
and what some of the beliefs or some of the traditions, should I say, that are kind of fathered, father time, or as we know, Santa Claus. Santa Claus, old Saint Nick, Odin, Saturn, his reindeer, which is actually Sleepener, Odin's eight-legged horse. So I hope you found this interesting. And for those of you who already knew all this because you know our religion inside and out, then I hope this just refreshed you. And for those of us who are still learning and is just dabbling into this, that it makes you want to continue. Because our religion, the faith that we believe, is extremely magical. And it brings upon special, wonderful times that only you can experience it. Only you can walk yourself through this magical time. Now this brings us to the end of my show. And I hope you all enjoyed it and you had a very good night. I will be posting this, um, all of this, on my blog as well. You can find my blog at freyaswords.blogspot.com and that's F-R-E-J-Y-A-S-W-O-R-D-S dot blogspot dot com. And you can also locate me at Cora's Cauldron at Facebook. So just come on over to Facebook and type in Cora's Cauldron, K-O-R-A-S-C-A-U-L-D-R. O-N-S, and you can find me that way. And as I leave you guys tonight, I will leave you with Blackmore's Night, and the song that I chose for tonight's ending is I Wish You Were Here from the Winter Carol CD again. Good night to all of you, and I hope that the gods and goddesses keep you safe throughout these winter months. Merry meet, merry part, and Mary we meet again.
What a fantastic hour that's been. Uh, thank you very much to the Reverend Cora for that really, really enlightening talk about the uh, the month of December and uh, all the correspondences, etc. that go with it. So just before we wrap up completely, I'd just like to tell you how to get in touch with us at Cauldron FM. You can drop us a line at cauldronfm at gmail.com. If you want to advertise with us, you can drop us another line at broadcaststudio at gmail.com. You can catch up with us on Twitter, and we're there as Cauldron FM. And we also have a Facebook presence, which again is Cauldron FM, and Cauldron FM, the sound of magic. So from me, for the moment, it's uh, love, light, blessed be. And from all at Merlin's Cave here in North Devon, We wish you a very, very pleasant Yule. Tune in again very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. I'm Emma, and I like nothing more than sitting down and listening to Cauldron FM. Cauldron FM is a Moonshadow Media production. Yes, one take! (laughs) Ha-ha!